Welcome back to the podcast. This is Forging Employee Experience. I'm Josh Green, joined here with my co-host, Alexander Norin. How are you? Couldn't be better. Absolutely fantastic. This is actually the first podcast we have coming up uh, 2019, so it's exciting energy being in the new year and um, recovered now. We, uh, we actually were with family this past holiday season, so I got to take a break from being a dad for a couple of weeks, and that was... Uh, a nice rest. So we're, we're ready to go. We are. So we are you should be recharged, it. ready to go. I'm for ready. This, huh? I, I feel like I could take over the world right now. Uh, so we're good. Yeah. We just had a chance to talk with our guest a little bit. And it sounds like he is just as fired up. This is Kevin Cruz. How are you? Hey, I'm great. I'm uh, honored to be your first guest in the new year. Yeah. <laughs> we're right. excited to have you. Let me tell you a little bit about Kevin as we jump in here. Kevin is the founder and CEO of LeadX, the first company to create a virtual executive coach using IBM Watson Artificial Intelligence. He is also the host of the LeadX Leadership Podcast and New York Times bestselling author of, get this, nine books. His brand new book is coming on April 2nd, and it is called Great Leaders Have No Rules, Contrarian Leadership Principles to Transform Your Team and Business. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks, thanks. I'm looking forward to the conversation. What else do we need to know about you? Uh, hey, I'm out of uh, Philadelphia, which means I'm a huge Sixers fan. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the Boston Connections, I always saying it's Celtic Sixers these days. And unfortunately, uh, we've been on the losing side of that. But uh, in addition to that, I'm a single dad with three kids, just working hard, being dad, working hard on the, on the startup. That's awesome. And you, let's be honest, both of those endeavors, uh, I think, are full-time jobs on their own. So, <laughs> so putting them together and doing them both successfully is definitely a job well done. Um, I got I to gotta ask you this question, though, before we get started. Uh, so, so, so nine books. I mean, that is, I don't know if I've read nine books, let alone written <laughs> nine books. How, how, do you, how do you do it? That's incredible. I mean, what a feat, truly. And, and best-selling author. So it's not like Nine of my books would be lost, <laughs> not lost in, in somebody uses a, as a stool or something. But uh. well, trust trust me, Alexander. I mean, some of those books are uh, are, are a little thin, but um, sure, others sure. are uh, you know tra traditional books. But you know, the the book that I wrote, um, you know, I took uh, almost ten years off uh, sure. after I sold my last company, and so that's when I sort of went into my book a year uh, mode. Okay. But one of the books I wrote was all about productivity. And I interviewed, uh, you know, over 200 self-made millionaires and billionaires and people like that. And I picked their brain. Yeah. And I just started doing what those guys do. And that's how I got uh, really productive. I love it. That's awesome. It sounds like sounds like I need to read that book in particular, because some days I'm just man, today's a PJ day. You know what I mean? You just <laughs> holy smokes. So anyway, yeah, and, and we have, uh, we've had a fun time looking through your books, particularly employee engagement 2.0. It's available mm -hmm. on audible. Absolutely. I just got off of a flight and uh, a really quick listen, which I appreciate. Thank you very much. You <laughs> kept it very tight and very succinct. But the information covered in that book is wonderful. It's just talking about what is engagement and gives us some really practical advice on how to imply this. So, so tell us a little bit from your perspective, what is employee engagement? Yeah. And I'm glad you guys start with that question because as you guys know, you know, working in the space, it's, I mean, we all get asked sort of like if engagement's so important and there's all these case studies, like why isn't everybody doing it? You know, why do we still have 70%, you know, not, not engaged. 
and I think part of it is that we don't have a standard definition and uh, not that we're going to solve that problem anytime soon, but we should at least all know where we're coming from. And, you know, I, I like to say that, you know, engagement isn't about uh, employee satisfaction because satisfaction doesn't raise the bar high enough. I could be satisfied, but I'm just going to clock in on time and go home on time, but you know, I'm not going to give you anything extra and I'm going to be easy to, to poach away if someone's going to give me a five or 10% raise. And, and then we also, you know, a lot of people are into employee happiness, you know, surveying employee happiness, working on employee happiness. And uh, look, I hope people are happy at work, but I've seen a lot of people who are happy at work playing games on their smartphone and hiding out, taking three hour lunches. And, <laughs> you know, that's not what we're after either. So I say, you know, if engagement isn't satisfaction or happiness, you know, what is it? I think it's just the emotional commitment that the employee has to their organization and the organization's goals. And it's that emotional commitment, basically caring about the, the, the company and, and your colleagues. That's what releases the discretionary effort. And of course, you know, I say, look, I, again, I like all the warm and fuzzy stuff that also comes with engagement. But for most people, most organizations, they want that extra effort. You know, uh, an engaged salesperson is going to sell just as hard on a Friday afternoon as they do on a, on a Monday morning. An engaged customer service person will be just as patient at the end of their shift as they are at the beginning. Uh, an engaged tech worker is going to leave their, you know, code cleaner than when they left it, kind of like the Boy Scouts or something. So, I mean, that's it. It's about giving that extra effort. And we are definitely drinking that Kool-Aid right now. You, you nailed it. That's, a, that's fantastic. That's what we like to hear. So, so tell us then why, I think companies realize that we need to engage our employees, mm. but the numbers still remain abysmally low. Do you have any insights on why we're not making any headway yeah, what, in this what space? We, what are we missing? <laughs> I, you know, I think that is the big uh, question. I certainly don't have a great answer for it. I mean, I think, you know, part of the problem is that uh, you've got, you've got a certain percentage of CEOs, you know, company leaders who, who don't get it, who don't believe in it. You know, they just think this is about, oh, we're just supposed to make our people happy or let's have another picnic in the summer. That'll make everybody happy. Like they just don't get it. But even among the people who get it, the organizations that are invest, investing in, you know, the annual surveys and those kind of, they're trying I think part of the problem is that they usually take a top-down approach rather than grassroots, rather than bottom-up. And I was on the phone with someone just yesterday, and they were talking about how they got their, it's a very large company, they got their survey results back, and the first thing they did was, you know, the VP of HR started the communication committee to fix communication. Another couple senior executives started the benefits committee. Then there was a fund committee. And, and the issue is that, you know, we, we all know from the Gallup research, 70% of the variance in engagement has to do with who your boss is. It's the manager. Right. So, you know, you, the old saying, you join a company, but you leave a boss is largely true. So whatever these initiatives at the very top of an organization are, it's not going to change the behaviors of the frontline managers. And that's 70% of the issue. So I always say, look, you know, again, you want to go hold your committees and have some more picnics and all that, go, go knock yourself out. But you'd better be giving your, your survey scores to your frontline managers, make sure they're sharing the results, you know, with their team members and have the action planning happen team to team. Because even if miraculously, you know, 
communication was the number one problem for everybody. How you fix that in the IT department might be different than how you fix it in the finance department. How you fix it in finance might be different than in sales. So it really needs to be a bottom-up effort in, uh, in my humble opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what's interesting about it too is that we've, in conversations that we've had, we, we find that a lot of organizations, um, they're kind of looking for like a low-hanging fruit. And, and you know, there, there's no quick fix to creating a positive relationship with your employees, to creating a, a positive atmosphere where people want to work. You know, it's like any other, any other relationship in your life, right? Like you, you, there's no shortcut to doing it right. That's right. And, um, you know, I, I love this idea of a, of a bottom down, bottom up approach because top down says, hey, I'm going to I am going to divest myself really of the responsibility of making change and create uh, these other, you know, like, like in your example, committees or policies or, you know, throw some items on the agenda on the, on the calendar there to um, to basically just say, yeah, th this will take care of it. And then I don't have to worry about it. Now the problem solved. And that's that's not it. It's about converting the managers and converting the, the, the people on the ground doing the work to, to the cause so that, you know, it, the, 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 you know, that bottom up effect happens. I think that's fantastic. So you, you touched on something there as well. It's sharing the engagement surveys with the managers and not just keeping it on an upper level. Um, do, do you happen to see it in organizations and in the work that you do that uh, most companies are still kind of running with an annual survey? Well, yeah. And now I think that um, <laughs> there's some selection bias because, uh, you know, I don't do uh, the kind of work you guys are doing with, with surveys or, or that type of thing. So I'll get called in, you know, to executive leadership uh, meetings where they're looking for a speech or something. And so by default, these are larger organizations and those mm -hmm. larger organizations are old school. So they're going to be comfortable with the top, you know, three or four biggest survey companies that are out there and that model is you know annual and, and, and look let's be clear annuals better than not at all right that's, absolutely so that's a step in the right direction but um you know as, as you guys uh, are well aware you know the the in recent years people have realized like look you know we can't do this annual one done and forget about it you know this needs to be a continual process now when i had um my previous, uh, my previous companies, and they were all fast growing companies, at a minimum, I would do engagement surveys uh, every six months. And I had small companies. I mean, so, so there's no excuse for, oh, we don't have the time or we don't have the money or we don't need it. I mean, I was a, a small but fast growing startup in, in my previous ventures. And it was every six months. And you know, I think it's what I'm seeing is, is uh, the best managers are triggering them for developmental purposes, you know, even every every quarter uh, because they're picking an annual goal. I mean, a, a quarterly goal, whether that's um, an engagement target like, OK, I need to do a better job of giving recognition. That's going to be my 90 day engagement goal or it's a developmental goal like, geez, you know, I, I realize I'm not very good at communication based on this engagement survey. I'm going to make that a personal development goal, you know, and it's work with a coach or whatever, and it's a 90 day plan. So I, I think the trend certainly to do it um, much more frequently than annual, uh, annual is a good place to start, I guess. So as we're looking to, um, you know, when, when, when organizations look to try to, to improve, right. And I, I think at, at times, you know, the frequency, when you have an annual survey, it, it, it's a big, it's a big ordeal. Right. I've worked for I've worked for organizations that they do their annual survey and it takes it takes almost uh, six to eight weeks to process the data because the because it's such a huge 
uh, undertaking, right? The survey right. takes an hour to take, you know, and then they process all the data. So what's the shift in thinking that has to occur? Can we, can we do more frequent, easier surveys? Do managers need a psychology background in order to be quote unquote surveying their, uh, their direct reports on a quarterly or more frequent basis? Well, yeah, again, we're, we're, uh, we're aligned on, on the thinking on this stuff. And, right. and you're right. In fact, I think these big survey companies, you're lucky to get the reports back in six to eight weeks. And uh, uh, then, you know, they think they're, they're doing uh, a service to give each manager, you know, their 20 page report slicing and dicing mm -hmm. the data in a million different ways and talking about, you know, correlations and all these other things. Well, we're all just, I mean, that's why my book, Employee Engagement 2.0, is only about 40 pages. You know, it's like, look, sure. we're all busy. Like, cut to the chase. Tell me right. something I need to, to do today or this right. week. And so, um, all that stuff that might be great for the senior leaders in HR, or if you happen to have an IO psych degree, well, that's great. But for, for busy managers who don't have the background in it and you're lucky if you're going to get 15 minutes a week of their attention. You right. got to go with the simpler reports and uh, just a, a simpler approach overall. Well, get us started here, Kevin. Um, you're absolutely right that there's a lot of research being done, but like the, the practical advice can kind of be overwhelming sometimes with managers trying to tackle this huge problem of fixing the culture. So in your book or in your own opinion, what are, what are some things that you tell people to help them get started? Sure. So again, like I, I've, I've seen the survey data from dozens and dozens of, of, of companies, all kinds and different survey companies are going to call the drivers of engagement, different things. So like at one company, they might call it growth and development. Another company might call it learning. Another company might call it something else. But in general, I mean, there's 10 to 12 big factors that drive engagement. People call them different things. And the big ones are almost always growth recognition and trust. Growth just meaning we all want to be learning new things. We want to be challenged at work. Uh, recognition, we want to feel appreciated by our, our boss, our peers. And trust isn't so much the, you know, geez, I, uh, this guy isn't lying to me or they're not stealing from me. It's more like I trust that the leadership has a plan for the future. I trust that the future is bright. It's like a future confidence. And so that's where the mission and vision stuff uh, come in. And, you know, when, when I wrote the book, We, almost 10 years ago, we did a survey of over 10 million workers in 150 countries. And I think it's probably the biggest global engagement survey that's ever been done. And when we looked at it, yeah, there were, depending on how you count them, 10 to 12 different, you know, correlated variables to engagement, but over 70% of the variance came down to how people felt about their growth, the recognition, and then trust. And then communication is kind of a close fourth. And, you know, if you're communicating, if you're doing the first three right, you're doing a lot of communication right. So I always often say that you know, communication runs through it almost like the, the, the backbone kind of holding mm, those other absolutely. things up. So look, I'm all about like, let the data, uh, you know, I, I want to see my data. And if someone tells me, like if, if the team is telling me they would be more engaged, if I spent more time on a quality message, okay, I'm going to start talking more about quality. But absent that data, it's hard to go wrong by realizing, all right, as a, as a manager, as a people manager, 
I need to be fostering a culture that promotes growth recognition and, and future trust. That's, we, we, those 10 to 12 drivers, as, as you were talking, I, I just, I couldn't help but smile because you're, you're exactly right. We, there is a, a whole list of, of different, you know, names for these 10 to 12 drivers, but boiling it down to those three with that, with that uh, common theme of communication there is, is extremely helpful. You know, it's just to say, hey, guys, let's let's focus on this and, and try to move, try to move forward. So I wanted to, if it's OK, to just shift gears a little bit. Your book, um, Employee Experience, uh, Employee Engagement, excuse me, 2.0. Uh, the the 2.0, I, I, I love that title um, because it's, it's, you know, and when you're when you're building things right, the 1.0 versus the 2.0, it's a huge, drastic change. Help me uh, help us understand a little bit about where we were to where we are now, to where we're going, and that kind of big landscape so we can have a, a better understanding of, of how, how are we evolving with our employee engagement. Yeah, and it's, it's funny, the, um, the title, I can't even remember now, I think that book came out in 2012, so it's quite a few years ago, and right. the 2.0 label was, was an attempt to, to push all of us in that direction of, exactly. all right, listen, it's, it's shorter, faster, focus on frontline managers, grassroots. So it was kind of like the next generation of, of engagement. Let's focus on the, the, the grassroots. Now, since then, a lot's changed. And in fact, I know one of your earlier guests uh, was talking about, you know, had some definition of employee engagement 2.0. Um, the very uh, respected analyst, Josh Burson, uh, who I respect a lot, he now has a model where, uh, uh, there's not just employee engagement 2.0, but that employee engagement 3.0 will involve the, the individual employees as stakeholders who have to bring something to the table uh, as well. And so, I mean, there's, a, again, there's a lot of um, changing definitions, but I think Burson's right in that, you know, when, when I first did the book, we, that's the big book, everyone's like, well, this is great, but I'm a busy manager. Give, break it right. down for me. That was employee engagement 2.0. In my, my talks with managers, they then said, well, okay, we get it. Most of the responsibility, the variable is on us. But what about the individual employee? Like the same person who says we don't communicate enough. Well, how come they never ask us any questions, right? They got to own some of this. And that's why I wrote then the third book was employee engagement for everyone, which is a guide for the individual contributors where it's like, Hey, if you're, if you're not feeling your growth and development trigger getting, you know, pushed very often, here's some things you can do, you know, send this email to your boss, become a self-directed learner, go for these resources. And I think that's with, with Josh Burson and, and employee engagement 3.0. I do think we're going to start to see that um, with the technology platforms now available, you know, there's no reason why we can't deliver the, the data, you know, for the survey data, the, uh, the, the personality, psychometric, demographic data to an individual. So we all get smart. We increase our self-awareness, then give us the training we need to understand like what, what is my role is, what can I do uh, in this area? And then of course, all the, you know, cool little behavioral nudges and text reminders and things, those have a place too. So it becomes everybody's job to think about engagement. And, and I like to say, you know, our emotions uh, are contagious. You know, you catch it like the flu. You know, you, you get somebody walking into the room who's right. happy, smiling, laughing. Everyone's feeling a little better. You get someone that's coming in and they're angry or down or depressed or 
Debbie or David Downer, everyone gets a little down. And we need to own that. You know, I think it should be everybody's like job role. Like when they come to work should be like all those 50 bullets. And the last one is lead your peers, you know, self lead and influence those around you in a positive direction. And when we realize it's actually part of our job, then we're going to change and give all the tools that, that are going to make it easier at that frontline level. Yeah, it's almost like you're, you're, you're giving partial ownership to the employees. Like the, the culture is not just the job of the boss. Uh, you play an active role in that as well. That's a really neat thought. And, and when you can get to a place, I think, where, where you have, because, you know, at the end of the day, there has to be an, an environment um, in which people feel comfortable, right, to start taking ownership. I, yes. You know, I've worked in other organizations where it's like, I, I wanted to take ownership, but I just felt shut down. You know, every single time I tried to, to do something that, that, you know, to go above and beyond, it was like, oh, no, no, just stay, stay within your, in, in your, in your zone. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to try to, that peer leadership element's not going to happen anymore. And right, if, right. if you can, if you can create that environment first, you know, I, I, I personally believe I'd love your thoughts on, I, I think it has to start with the organization. The organization I think has to create that environment. And then once from there can start helping, um, not, not, not guide or encourage employees to start taking more ownership of saying, Hey, here's your platform here at the organization to really excel. You know? Yeah, yeah, you bring up an important point. I mean, I do think environment is the, the number one variable to any uh, change or behavior change. I mean, even down to the personal level. If, if sure. I want to uh, lose some weight here in the new year, then my environment better not be filled with cookies and beer and nachos and everything else. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a good environment to be in. Just <laughs> yeah, willpower is only going to go right. so far, right? <laughs> right. So, if, if a company does not have a culture somewhat of some psychological safety, or if your boss is not creating a team culture of psychological safety, well, right. man, you're going to learn fast that when you, when you do uh, try to step up or ask a question or challenge and you get shot down in a negative way, I mean, no one's going to have to tell you twice. So you do need, you know, you do need that environment that that's going to support it and want to, you know, actually want to achieve some engagement. And, and what I like about that too is that's, you know, we talk about, and you, you mentioned, you know, the, the idea of all the, the HR tech that's out there, you know, there's that really, you know, again, like you said, there's really no excuse to not uh, have the tools to be able to make, make these changes. But when you, when you talk about creating that environment, that, that doesn't require technology. That doesn't require special training. I, I really think that requires cognizance, you know, it's so, you know, as we, as we look to say, okay, what can we take away from this? How, how can we, how can we make change? I really, I really think, you know, starting there is a great baseline, you know? So, so let's talk about the, the future a little bit because employee engagement is this concept that was birthed out of the idea that there is an employee contract and you are hired to do a certain amount of work and this idea of discretionary effort will help you to do more. And so let's engage our employees. So they do, almost tricking them into doing more <laughs> at the workplace than we've contracted them out to do. Whereas now it sounds like we're moving more towards a, a holistic approach that we are focusing on the well-being of employees and we're helping them gain ownership. What, what to you is the future of employee engagement? Well, you know, I, I think this is uh, an interesting topic, you know, far bigger than, than the time we have because like this is where I think – both industry and actually people, there's generational differences. Like I'm an OG, right? So I'm 51. 
been doing this for 30 years and I understand, uh, you know, what in employee experience is and that engagement can be a subset of that and that we need to be talking about employee experience. Um, but to me, you know, being um, the, the, the jaded, uh, you know, old guy, um, I, you know, I say, I, you know, I don't know, like what we, what we're talking about, I think, you know, what we're all trying to talk about is, is to create a, a culture, an environment, whatever you want to call it, you know, in, in an organization where people feel like they, they, they own it. They belong that ownership mindset. I care about our goals. It's not your company. It's our company. You know, we're part of it. And I think, um, you know, you can move the dial on that from, from the way you interview people for the job, the way you onboard them, uh, the, the physical environment, you know, there's a whole lot of variables from the time they join you to the time they leave and even beyond if you want them to boomerang back to you. Um, but, but I don't, I don't know about if there's a future shift or a future trend and I'm not, I, I'm real familiar with the data on what, what engagement is and its linkage to business results. I'm less familiar with the, the research on which parts of employee experience move the lever the most on business outcomes. So should companies be focusing on what the reason, like you said, because there's some nice hard data around employee engagement and it seems a little bit more of a clear path. Whereas when you start talking about employee experience, there's, there, there's a, a lot that goes into it and it's not as well defined. Um, at least is that what you're experiencing? Well, yeah, that, I, that's what I'm experiencing, but I'm, I'm also recognizing that it just might be that like, you know what, I'm old school and, and a simple guy and maybe I'm not getting a lot of the, the new stuff. But I mean, what, what do you guys think? Because you guys are really the, uh, on the vanguard, you're the next generation, right? So how are you thinking about employee experience? That is a great question. You know, Josh, I don't think anyone's asked us a question yeah. before on podcast. Thank first. you. I feel, I'm like, wow, they care. Thank you. Kevin. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm touched here. Yeah. And, and um, for, for our part, you know, what we have, what we have discovered as, as we've gone through to explore, to explore this space is that experience, creating an experience, um, you, you, you can't take the human out of it. Um, and so what that means is, unfortunately, you, you can't have a, um, a template per se to say, this is, follow these five simple steps and you will absolutely create an employee experience that, you know, there, there's obviously guidelines, but, but because the experience is unique to each person um, and each organization is unique as a composite of a whole bunch of unique individuals, um, the, the trend is making sure that you care about your people. And if you care about your people from, if, if that is where you start, uh, then you're going to be, then you're going to be successful. And it's, and it's hard to pin down. It's hard to find evidence that X, Y, Z factors, you know, will unilaterally help because like, like I said, there's, there's a uniqueness involved to creating a human relationship where people want to be. That is, I think, diametrically opposed to, creating a standard across which everybody can be measured against. Um, but, you know, and that actually something that you, you said earlier kind of, kind of triggered this, this line of thought for me. And it was, you said the phrase, you want to get to a place where employees are saying, I care about our goals. And that's a, that's a, that's a short little phrase, but I think 
you know, and I think, I think a good, good place to, to kind of summarize our conversation here today is if you can get employees to say that and mean it, I mean, that, that carries so much weight. I care about our goals. I mean, that is, that is exactly, I think, where we want everyone in an organization to be. And I liked what you said. It starts with caring, right? Like yep. we can all agree on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so with, with that said, uh, what, what is some advice that you have for, for people who are listening to our show? You know, these people who work in the HR space, HR directors, they obviously care about the culture, but sometimes it seems like a daunting task. Do you, what advice would you give to them moving forward? <laughs> My advice is they should uh, they 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 should get your software to measure their <laughs> their engagement and culture, and then they should hire Coach Amanda, our uh, our AI executive coach, so that everybody can get some personal advice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that's perfect. That's can, true. Can you introduce us into <laughs> who is Amanda that you're referring to? So uh, LeadX, we created um, uh, Coach Amanda is the world's first executive coach powered by IBM Watson. So, mm. you know, she lives on your phone uh, in our lab. She lives on, you know, Amazon, Alexa and everywhere else. And, um, you know, she knows everything there is to know about you, knows your engagement scores, knows your personality, knows, uh, you, you know, everything, all the data you can put in and then we'll give you advice and answer your questions about, um, you know, whatever your developmental goal is. Right. This is on an individual level? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Very cool. So I, I, how are you implementing it? Uh, it's, an I, it's an iOS app and, and website, and uh, next month comes out on, on Android. And uh, so, you know, it, ideally you, you introduce uh, LeadX with Coach Amanda to your new managers first, just because generationally, they're more comfortable, uh, you know, chatting and messaging on, on phones than someone my age is. And also intentionally, you know, Coach Amanda is created as if she were a real person. So she'll send you giffies and memes from the office or whatever it is, you know, it has a sense of humor, but, you've, but it's targeted at a millennial generation. So uh, it's, it's best used on those frontline leaders. That's awesome. And so, and so you said we can find this on... Uh, leadx.org, L-E-A-D-X.org. Okay. Awesome. And, and where can we find your book when it launches in April? <laughs> I really appreciate you asking that question. Uh, yeah, depending on when people are listening to the podcast, Great Leaders Have No Rules. It's available anywhere and everywhere, but you can pre-order on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Awesome. And what is the best way for our listeners to keep in touch with you? Well, I, and I love hearing from people. I mean, I, I make friends for life. Um, best email is kevin at leadx.org, O-R-G. And uh, I'm on all the social media places. Well, we are very grateful to be added to that lifelong friend list. We, we just added ourselves to it. Yeah, I hope you're okay oh, you're there. That. You're there. We'll be in Philly next week. Uh, can we come? I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 hey, Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show today. We really appreciated the conversation and the dialogue. And uh, I think I uh, speak for everyone listening that we've all, we're all at a better place now after having uh, heard some of your advice and insights. So thank you very much. Hey, thanks for the opportunity and thanks for the work you guys are doing in the space.